You're listening to a SPIN podcast. We're interested in investigating the interconnections between secrecy, power, and ignorance that shape our world today. Hello, welcome back to The Spin Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined again by Professor Brian Rappert from the University of Exeter, who's a professor of science, technology, and public affairs. Um, This time, however, Brian is going to be talking to us about his latest project, which is a project about magic. So, okay, so Brian, last time we talked about um, some of the work you've done in terms of exploring um, uh, diplomatic circles and their relations to uh, chemical weapons and biological threats and things like that. We've gone from that type of project and into a project about magic. Can you tell us a little bit about how how those projects connect, where they come from, and what's going on when it comes to secrecy that's at the heart of this? Yeah, yeah. No, no and uh, and thanks for having me back. Yeah, I, I think I think the connection, uh, if I can put it that way, is therapy. Uh, because uh, after having spent um, you know quite quite a few years looking at uh, issues of secrecy, uh, in, well, really associated with armed conflict, uh, I um, yeah, I just I just want to kind of take it in a in a different direction. I I wanted to to keep the focus which I've had for a long time on this this way in which disclosure can be a form of concealment and concealment can be a form of disclosure. Um, but I wanted to, yeah, try to find some kind of productive outlet in terms of my own work. And, you know, I also wanted to find ways of doing something that was a very kind of embodied experience. Because I think a lot of the work that I've done about secrecy in the past, you know, it's it's been getting into communities. It's It's been getting to know individuals. It's been sharing, you know, secrets with the people that I'm doing uh, research with. And it's all those kind of negotiations about what you can and cannot say in those situations. And um, as I think I mentioned last time in our in our previous po- podcast, you know, there was that, that affected me, you know. There's, there's effect and there's affect, you know, and they were both present in that work. So I, I was thinking of ways in which I could extend um, thematically the work that I was doing, but just maybe in a different area and just timing out a little from the, the diplomatic work. And, you know, for, for a number of years, I had an idea that I wanted to, to research magic. And, and not just more than that, I just wanted to try to become a magician, <laughs> right? And see what came up from that. Um, I went to a really interesting um, public lecture Gosh, it was over 15 years ago. Um, someone came, a magician. He said, it's terrible the way, you know, people go around and take advantages of other people, um, people who claim they can contact the dead and, and this sort of thing. And isn't it terrible? And, and I'm going to show you how these, these, uh, these effects get done. Um, he, he went ahead. He showed us, you know, six different ways in which you could do kind of miraculous things. Um, we had a little break. Um, he came back and he said, uh, "He said, no, I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do those effects like that. I did them like this." And I was so interested in this move where he he brought us into this sense of 
I'm sharing this thing with you, and there are these other people, and they fall prey to this. Um, and, you know, pe people take advantage of them. Uh, and then what he did in the course of his presentation is he did that to us, the, the good kind of middle-class intellectual group that was around. And he, he kind of fooled us in the same way. And what I took from that presentation anyway was this, this kind of underlying um, um, message that, you know, you... you um, no matter how kind of clever you think you are, people can always work with your presumptions. Uh, and by working with those presumptions, they can, you know, kind of take you on different paths. And and I became interested in magic because it's, um, you know, it's a playful, performative way of doing that. The audience knows at some level they're being deceived. The magician knows that the audience knows, right? There's this this kind of back and forth between, between the audience and the performer. Uh, and in hopefully, if done appropriately, uh, everyone gets something out of it. So, so yeah, that's kind of a bit of the background to, to, to my work. And more than that, there's an, I find very interesting about magic, it, it's an openly commodified and uh, like there's a, there's, it's openly discussed the, how it, there's an economics to magic. It is a business. It is a, yes. and, and so when we, when we think about secrecy, we don't often think about secrecy as having um, economies and values and circulating in those kinds of ways. Um, I mean, we do a little bit, you know, stealth technology and, and the, the markets around those, but magic is interesting as well because it, part of it is, um, you know, you, it's, it's the allure, but it's an allure that is intentionally, um, uh, commodified in a particular way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So magicians face a, a basic problem, right? Uh, on the one hand, they want to keep trade secrets. So you, um, people have probably heard about, you know, um, the magic circle or some other such things. And magicians have a code, and they're not supposed to tell their secrets. But they need to have new entrants come in. They need to have people that change the form. They need to generate kind of public interest in what they do. So how do you balance these two kinds of, you know, in some sense kind of competing demands of, of wanting to, to, to share and wanting to uh, delimit? And when I, I think when I, when I was initially thinking about the work about, uh, about magic and secrecy, I was, that, that's, that's where I was going to go with it. That's what my interest was. Um, there are people who have done interesting work along these lines already. Uh, uh, Graham Jones, for instance, is an anthropologist who's, uh, who's, who's done um, quite, quite, quite a bit of work in, 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 in magic and brings up some of these themes. You know, interestingly enough for me, once I got into the doing of the magic, my interest changed a bit and I've become much more attentive to the ways in which learning takes place. So if you read a book, if you watch a video, if you see a performance, what is going on there um, between the person who's trying to learn, uh, okay, and the person who's, whatever, per per performing in different ways? So, yeah, my, my work has moved a little, it's, it's moved a little from the, the focus on maybe um, secrecy and information flow to, um, to questions about um, how... Um, within the course of uh, uh, learning magic, how do you um, come to know yourself? How do you become to know other people? 
how does that take place in situations where there's a kind of asymmetry of knowledge? So, so yeah, it's it's a it's a lot more about let's say the experience of 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 secrecy rather than necessarily about knowledge exchange. That's cool. A, um, sorry, I will stop here and then we'll pick up with the question. Do you need to redo that because of the? Oh, that was six minutes. Okay. You could, you could, it's kind of didn't sound uh, too bad. Disturbing. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds Okay. Yeah, did, but did it sound it like something? Magic trick, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of like, cards, you know. Oh no, it's okay. We'll just pick up that. If it's fine, it's fine. Um, sorry, just then. Well, we have this opportunity. Um, should we should we go back and do some of the stuff on memoirs? Because we. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay? So, so uh, you could say. Um, I don't know if you have. We have to go. Back, but you, you, yeah, you could just yeah, say, could, uh, we'll take pick up from here about memoirs about um, uh, you know, I said going back to you know, um, famous magicians and things like that. Maybe yeah, I'm yeah, sort of yeah, thinking yeah. of a segue. Sorry, I'm trying to think of a segue back into the um, memoirs conversation. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, you could say, well, tell us, tell us a little then about how you've gone about learning, and you could say, well, okay, well, have you been um, reading lots of books about magic or something like this, and then I can. Bring up the memoirs yeah. as a, one example okay. of that. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. can do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just giving you a hint. Like, that doesn't have to be it. Like, you could find different ways in, but, you know, that's like... <laughs> no, I think we, uh, we ought to segue. These, like, it shouldn't just be me. It should be different members of SPIN hosting uh, themselves. So, okay, anyway. All right, then. So maybe you could, could you tell us a little bit then about, um, how, you know, where have you been turning to, to learn, uh, to do this learning, to, to, to try and understand uh, yourself and also understand how others come to learn about magic and magic practices? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of different directions we can take that. Um, maybe maybe I can talk about uh, instructional books and, and how those are read. Um, but certainly one of the, one of the, interesting kind of whatever genres or something like that uh, for learning magic is is just reading the the memoirs and or autobiographies and so on of uh, of magicians and i'll just sort of that is a for for some people that might be a bit weird that you're interested in secrecy you're interested yeah. in secrecy practices and yet you're turning to okay magic we can understand that right magic is mystery uh, or you might dispute that but but to turn to memoirs to study yeah. secrecy, how do you how do you make sense of that? Yeah, so the me- memoirs are kind of interesting genre, right? It's this uh, genre of self revelation. Okay, people have to find ways of giving uh, an account of themselves, which is seen as kind of authentic, which is typically something presented as some sort of interview, like you know you 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 couldn't have got this just by kind of whatever reading you know um uh, you know what was said in a newspaper about a footballer no no when they give you their memoirs they got to give you the kind of inside story about what kind of really happened so there's often this kind of move this kind of typical revelation move of kind of getting underneath getting beyond and all the rest of it and what i think is really interesting about magicians in this regard is what is at the heart of magic is this kind of skillful deception okay magicians want to be able to give you this um an impression that they're they're very able to be playful with what they're showing and what they're not okay so now how do you present an authentic account of yourself where to show your abilities to show your expertise 
you have to show your playfulness with what you're revealing. Okay? If a magician just comes out and writes an autobiography and it's just a straight account, you know, this is what happened, uh, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm just setting out my, my life story in the way in which, I don't know, maybe a political memoir might be written. You know, they're not actually displaying a lot of the skills that are associated with magic. You know, you'd expect them to be a little bit more playful, a little bit more like to be exemplifying in their own writing um, their ability to kind of uh, simulate and dissimulate, okay, through their work. So I'm interested in uh, the memoirs of magicians because you find such a varied kinds of approaches to how they're relating to the truth. Some magicians are just giving you, yeah, this is what happened, this is my story, here it is. Um, there's other magicians, uh, people like Darren Brown, who are more sophisticated than that. They want to give you a, uh, an account of, of, of their own history, um, but they want to tease you a little bit and make it clear that they're not giving you the kind of full story. Um, and other uh, magicians, for instance, like Penn and Teller, are very explicit uh, that they lie <laughs> in their magic and they're lying in, in what they're telling you about the magic, right? Uh, and it's this incredible kind of almost kind of reflexivity um, that uh, um, Penn and Teller in particular have. Uh, so they show you their abilities, they, they display their honesty through the, dis the, the displays of their dishonesty. Okay? They are competent and authoritative and authentic because they are not telling you the truth. And, well, they generate an ambiguity, I think, right? Yeah. It's, it's, they, they, they might even be lying about lying. Yes, that's right. Like, you're right. So, they, so there's their, the, the fun, the playfulness is centered as part of the, the, the process, yeah. uh, generating critical thought about that. So what are you left with? I guess that's a question you could ask of the memoirs of magicians. Are you left with a, oh, that's how... That's, you know, that's their story. Are you left with a sense of wonder? Are you left with a sense of just being a little bit disturbed? Um, I mean, I think, I think magicians have very different uh, effects that they achieve through, through their memoirs. And, uh, and as a result of that, they have, or you know, connected with that, they have different orientations about their truth-telling. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, I lied in the past, but now I'm telling you the truth, right? I mean, that's the typical, if someone gets caught out in a lie, um, this was, uh, I mean, there's a, a very good uh, book that was written by uh, Lynch and Bogan about the Iran-Contra affair back in the 1980s. Um, Oliver North, you know, had, had done all this, uh, this work about, uh, you know, getting the Iranians to pay for arms that were going to the Contras in Nicaragua and, and had, you know, lied to Congress, had, 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 had found all sorts of ways of, of masquerading the truth. But when he then had to come and testify in the end, he, he was in a situation where he had to prove he was an honest liar, right? <laughs> I lied in the past, but I'm not lying to you now. Um, some magicians might take that approach but um, but some of them are, I lied to you in the past, and I might be lying to you now, <laughs> and that itself might be a lie. You know, I mean, so there's all sorts of different levels. They, where they kind of settle is an interesting question. 
Well, I think that's fascinating, and I and it makes me sort of go back and um, sort of my work, own work as well to think about how um, memoirs across, uh, for all sorts of different people um, often do this play of you know uh, I how did you put it like you're an honest liar or you're a, or you're actually still part of your the uh, presenting yourself is continuing to to represent yourself as a, a secret subject as a as a, a someone with mystery and with special knowledge and um, so mem- uh, yeah I think there's some so much more we could say about memoirs as a secrecy genre um, so so uh, what more what plans do you have for the project as it's going forward yeah so what's what's really come out for me from this project is is this question of the the kind of relation of myself to others right and in terms of my own like practice with the magic, I, I find myself in this situation where I'm interested in the magic as a way of making a connection with other people. Like I think magic's just an interesting way to prompt discussion. So in a lot of the the kind of whatever routines that I do, I'm interested in using tricks to then get people thinking about social interactions. Okay, so what's the role of bullshit in, <laughs> in social life? Sorry, is that okay on a podcast? What is the role of bullshit in social life? And how can I use magic and my patter as part of the magic and people's aware awareness that what I'm saying is part of the tricks that I'm doing, right? And that whole kind of dynamic, how can I use, use tricks to then get people talking about um, uh, bullshit in everyday life? Okay, so that's kind of what I do as part of this. Um, and in so in a sense, it's it's about making connection. But but for me, the magic has also been about um, becoming strange to myself and other people. Um, I mean, I've had these really interesting experiences in in doing magic, where you know, I, I for instance, um, you know, I had this experiment uh, experience where I was trying to follow some instructions about how you do a card trick. I remember at the time thinking the way I'm trying to figure out whether this trick is working is I'm putting myself in the position of other people. Okay. So I have to imagine what does this look like for someone? Okay. And then, and then as I became more, as I practiced magic more and more, and I began to reflect on my own thinking more and more, I, I realized that that wasn't what I was doing at all. Um, if you just think about what it means to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to look at yourself, you know, you have this kind of... I initially had this impression that I was looking at myself like a video camera. You know, I was seeing myself from across trying to say, can, is this, can you see what I'm doing here? Is this hidden? Does this, you know, will this be... But, but actually, if you think about the way in which we, we kind of visualize and the way in which we imagine, we, we don't see anything like a video camera. Even if I think about myself now, I'm looking at you and I'm trying to think about how you would see me. It's this, it's this fragmented. So I've actually been um, through, through all this work. I'm, I'm becoming aware of my own presumptions about how I see myself. I don't know if this is clear, clear or whatever, but it, it, is this is this kind of ma- making sense? You know, you begin to to think about how you're thinking um, about your yourself and other people. Well, I, and I don't think it's just seeing or 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 thinking. Yeah, it's yeah. knowing. 
right? Yes, how right. we know, how we know. So we don't always, uh, what I'm getting from what you're saying yeah, yeah. is that perhaps this becomes another way we can understand or start to understand or, or half understand um, how knowledge is generated, that it's not right. generated in this linear, um, we see all at once or, or know all at once, yeah, yeah. but actually it's much more, knowledge is generated in this much more fragmented, ambiguous yeah. way and that we need to uh, where where attention you know drifts and yes. we refocus and yeah and it's a sense of emergence and how let's uh, so I'll call it inner subjectivity I'll just put 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 that word out there although it's it's understood in many different ways but the sort of how do we know each other and I want to use magic because. On the one hand, it's based on this very different sense of experience. What the magician experiences should not be what the audience experiences. There needs to be some sort of separation there. And yet, we're trying to kind of make a connection to and have a kind of shared sense of meaning. So when I talk to people about, about tricks and what they take from them and so on, I mean, I'm there's this disjoint between the, the whatever the, the, the disconnection of the experience of the magic and then this this communication we're trying to have about it and so i'm interested in putting those two together and, and just thinking about okay what are the what are, what comes up in that kind of space and and yeah from that you get a sense of of interactions as 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 emergent as magic as a very relational activity it's not about me doing something and then the audience is watching this is a very pervasive way in which magic is is conceived uh, the active magician the passive audience um, it's a very individualized process no 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 so so it's this relationality and then there's lots of questions about ethics that, that are associated with that uh, about how we're relating to each other what kind of magic should i be doing and yeah this is all the kinds of stuff that's coming up and i now. think we can take those lessons and apply them to thinking more about secrecy oh yeah for sure yeah for sure. So. And, and and i'll just share with you you know it, it, one of the really interesting experiences i've had with with the magic is um so i started with the magic i started doing what are called self-working tricks these are tricks which don't rely on a lot of sort of say sleight of hand skills. It's more you know there's other things going on. They're they're you know if you like. But simple. you could be lying. I don't know. Well, that could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny? Uh, Trying trying to make a connection, but 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 lying comes up as a kind of pervasive theme all the time. So, but anyway, so there's self working tricks. Uh, you could read it uh, in. I could show you some tricks. You could read it in two minutes. You'd say, got it, right? Like, okay, if I want to perform it, I'd have to hone it. But but the basic kernel of the thing is there. And, you know, you you would... You, they're, they're, they're very easy to, to get, if I can kind of put it in that way. Um, you know, I started doing self-working tricks. People said to me comments like, oh, Brian, you know, you're you're really developed in this, like, you know, with your dexterity and stuff. Like, I didn't see, like, any kind of dodgy stuff, you know, kind of happening, no you know, jiggery-pokery kind of, you know, with the cards. And, and well, that's because there wasn't any, right? <laughs> because it wasn't based on that. Um, but still, people kind of projected in me and invested in me this sense of what they thought a magician was based on their kind of common-sense understanding of it. And, and then you get the secrecy associated with magic and this way in which people can be built up the way in which I, as a complete, you know, as a, as a novice, um, was built up sometimes, you know, in, in situations um, because of the presumptions people had about what they thought magic was, um, what they thought the kind of mechanisms uh, were for what I was doing. And, you know, those that, that way in which people get invested in, um, that's, you know, that's been a theme for me throughout the work that I've done about secrecy uh, and the way in which, you know, uh, particularly... Um, government officials and others, you know, 
people imagine that that people have secrets. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, I think we could talk about magic for um, for ages, but I think we're going to have to um, to to close today. So I'm just going to say thank you once again to Brian for joining us. Um, uh, Brian is, of course, a member of Spin, so hopefully we'll have a few more conversations going forward. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I'll let you know how it develops. It'd be great. It'd be great to to talk again. Okay, cool. thanks. You've been listening to a Spin podcast. For more episodes, please check out our website, secrecyresearch.com, or find us on iTunes. 